Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. One thing I've noticed about rich people who have mistresses is they tend to leave behind the billion-dollar mistress when the multi-billion-dollar mistress shows up. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Thimmel. He's a romantic. That's why he loves heartbreaking, illogical losses. <laughs> with SI's Pat Forty. Who's looking out for the sport as a whole? The answer remains nobody. Here's Pat. Pete and Dan. Uh, welcome to the pod, dear friends, dear family gathered here today. It's a hard one for us all. It's much easier to mourn in silence, take away the worry of not being able to get your words out, or just <laughs> simply getting the words right. Silent is not an option as we mourn today. And I'm sure we all appreciate the strength we get from each other. So we acknowledge dearly departed the 2021 Fenway Bowl and Military Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Casualties of COVID and (laughs) total disinterest by the people who actually play the game. (laughs) I had the call. I deserve a point for predictions. I predicted the Military Bowl. I said, I don't care. And guess what? It's not getting played. I deserve a point for that in the standing. <laughs> you do not get a point for that, but you did speak it into an existence. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to the BC and East East Carolina uh, seniors that wanted to play one more game, uh, but it's not happening. So no. uh, that one died. Uh, Virginia, poor Bronco Mendenhall is not going to get to go out in the <laughs> final game. The wow. Fenway Bowl, Pete, is the, are there just people wailing in the streets of Boston right now? Just walking I around like zombies. I wondered if anyone was going to go. It's 11 o'clock on a weekday. You have two interim coaches. You have fan bases with, like, I mean, sure, there's a couple Virginia grads, like, rolling around ball. (laughs) But do they really like Virginia football enough to go to a game at 11 a.m. on a weekday? Now, that said, I was going because my my trips to Dallas got pushed back. So Mm -hmm. I was actually, my first on my Monday morning to-do list was going to be to acquire a credential for the Fenway Bowl. But I literally thought there may be no media covering this game. <laughs> because, like, I don't really think anybody's going to come from either city. Well, like, maybe, radio, maybe like the, the radio guys, team. 247 guys, the hardcore guys. But I, certainly no media in Boston is going to cover that game. Right, Dan? Pro- a stringer, maybe, for the Globe out of just sheer <laughs> yeah. like, obligation that, that no one would read the story. <laughs> Listen, there is you get in on that 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 back bay recruiting market, the fens and all that. I mean, it is you got to do it. A lot of great prospects coming out of Brookline. Tom Brady's kids used to live there. Maybe they turn out to be okay. I don't know. Bowl season is just uh this sucks. Let's just I mean, this sucks. We love watching every one of these games and by the ratings, so does and everyone else. Yeah. Uh, we can make fun of them, but we'd all watch And um, yeah, I mean, it's just I feel bad for the players, for the organizers. I mean, we make fun of bowls all the time, but people work really hard to stage the game and do all this stuff. And Hawaii Bowl went down. I mean, they had downgraded it to they were playing at the Hawaii University of Hawaii's practice field and Hawaii couldn't even make it to that. (laughs) I really regret not going to to the Boca Raton Bowl now. Like, that was my chance because <laughs> yeah. they're just, you know, there may not be any left. The Memphis players got to go to Hawaii. There were some good picks of them just on Waikiki being like, hey, all right. Yeah. <laughs> no bowl? Okay. My ties. 
I'm not Can sure. Can you imagine being F- the six and sixteen that got stuck going to like the Camellia Bowl and you're like, wait a minute, we're gonna go on a free trip to Hawaii and not play in a game? And you got us here on Christmas afternoon at two thirty? Those Montgomery? are the ones I mean, like the, the the people that I think I touched on it in way back when we picked those games, but like the, the you get a purple heart for going to Montgomery to play in the Camellia Bowl on Christmas Day. It's like, you know, the random red shirt freshman ball state wide receiver who has to break it to his mom. I can't come home for Christmas because I have to be in Montgomery for a bowl game. Congratulations. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, not good. So I bowl went down for the second straight year. Uh, we do have Rutgers taking on wake in the Gator bowl. Allegedly. We'll see. Yeah. As we've been saying, do not bet until one second before kickoff. <laughs> yeah, really do not bet. But if you must, Five and seven Rutgers is taking on, uh, they wanted to play, or at least uh, the ADs and coaches wanted their bowl bonus. Do you get a bowl bonus if you get in because of uh, this? I don't know. Probably. It would be great to see the text chains from the, like the Rutgers players and everything like, hey, can you all make it back to campus real quick and start practicing for, uh, oh, Wake Forest. That's who it is. Yeah. We're going to go to Florida and play. Really? We are? What? Uh, we'll pick this game. Instantly but, the biggest oh, yeah. Rutgers bowl game of all time, and they backed into it. <laughs> Third the, Rutgers. The Third Rutgers, Rutgers bowl history is, oh, my gosh. It looks like a bunch of quick lane bowls, basically. New Jersey Bowl, 1972, right, Sully? Oh, yeah. That, that was the was big one. Because they hadn't one? played in a bowl, like, all that time until Shiano got there. They had one bowl in history, and it was like the New Jersey Bowl in 1972 <laughs> that I think got played like once. Yeah, yeah. It was in like it was in like a parking lot in Asbury Park. <laughs> there was a New uh, Jersey Bowl, the there was a Pony. Cherry Bowl, and there was a I, Garden State I Bowl have, that might I, have all been the same thing. Uh, I think the, <laughs> I think the Garden State Bowl. Sorry, I said it was called the Garden State thing. Bowl. It's 1978. Let's put some respect on it. Okay, yeah, let's <laughs> at least get it right. Arizona State beat Rutgers 34-18. There had been a few attempts to stage a postseason bowl game in the Northeast, but due to unpredictable weather conditions in mid to late December, no one wanted to do it. Uh, In 60, they had the Liberty Bowl in Philly to 64. And then in Atlantic City, they did an indoor one in the the old Atlantic City Convention Center. As far as I could tell from the pictures that I've seen on social, there were no field goals at that game. So, okay, <laughs> yeah, what are you going to kick into? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They, they put uh, real grass on concrete. So, the Liberty, that's why the Liberty Bowl is in Memphis. It started as the Liberty Bell, like Liberty Bowl in right. Philly. Yep. So, it went, okay. I always wondered that. Uh, yeah. Then it moved to Memphis in 66 because of the better weather, which, if you've been in Memphis the time of year, <laughs> is not any better. I covered one game that was played in 33 degrees in sleet. So, okay. The, Liberty uh, Bowl. the Polo Grounds held the Gotham Bowl in 1961. Baylor defeated Utah State 24 to 9. And then in 1962, Yankee Stadium had Nebraska playing Miami. Nebraska won 36 34, reportedly in 17 degree weather. That's not too bad. So, anyway, pretty good game. The Garden got the Pinstripe Bowl. Yeah, I, now, I mean, nobody cares now about that. They were trying to make it nice for the players, but not anymore. So, yeah, Rutgers is in the 78 Garden State Bowl, the 2005 Insight Bowl, which they lost, <laughs> the 2006 Texas Bowl, which they won, the 2008 International Bowl in Toronto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that 20, lived a short life. They did a stint at the PapaJohns.com. The uh, St. Petersburg Bowl. We don't know what that was sponsored by that year. New Era Pinstripe. The Russell Athletic. That was actually in Florida. Back to the New Era Pinstripe. The Quick Lane. And now, yeah, this is the best bowl game in the history of Rutgers football. How about that? I mean, I, in. I, I mean, you make an argument that the St. Pete Bowl, but fire up the grease trucks. Drive them to Duval County. Let's go. <laughs> They're going to get, Rutgers is going to get smacked by Wake Forest. <laughs> I Rutgers would think. Rutgers Again. can't score. Uh, Wake Forest can <laughs> score. Also, their season ended. <laughs> then yes. They had, a month of preparing they had no intention of playing again until yes. 2022. Yes. There, are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons why. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, all right, so. Look, we'll get to we're going to pick the, the semifinals, all that. We're going to pick all the games. So it's it's like this is crazy season. I mean, we have cancellations. We have ridiculous matchups. We have team switch. I mean, it, the coaches aren't there. 
Nobody cares about the Bulls except we, the fans. Okay, the coaches don't care. Mike Leach can talk all he wants, but everyone else has switched jobs. Players, if they can opt out or have any good reason to, they do. They jump in the portal because they have to. Because, again, why are we staging our championship rounds, our free agency, our draft, and our coaching Black Monday firing cycle all at the same time? Like, let's spread things out, people. So dumb. Let's get organized. But, I mean, Embry Jones was in the transfer portal for Florida, but then played anyway. I mean... (laughs) Tip my hat to that. I didn't think that's how the transfer report worked. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> that's a good game. He was gator. trying to do a Bronco Mendenhall. He wanted one more game with his guys. I know. And there were people actually <laughs> criticizing him because he wasn't like there's some crazy fans. I saw some. I mean, I, I watch. I, yeah. I mean, these are the lunatics, but it's like the guy wanted to play. So we got guys in the transfer portal that won't play guys in the transfer portal that will play. <laughs> we I just but the TV ratings are enormous. Yeah. It's cold and people don't want to talk to their families. Yeah. And people are getting back into a little bit of a bunker situation because of the Omicron. So, you know, I think there's more people staying home. We have one of our Christmas Eve traditions. We drive around through one of the swankier neighborhoods, not the one we live in, and look at all the Christmas lights. And we've done it since the kids were little. And we both, we all remarked like, geez, hardly anybody's having any parties. I think everybody's staying in their own house. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. The triple header of the opening ABC Bowl weekend, which was, uh, you know, uh, these were not big games. 2.9 million was the average, up 35% from 2019. Wow. 3.2 million watched a UAB-BYU game in the Independence Bowl. Tons of you guys are watching, and and so here we are. To to make this a, a little bit of a broader topic before we get into all the games. To me, the market is speaking on bowl games. Uh, and, and as they go to this playoff, they have to recognize where we're at. I understand we have we have COVID and, and that, but people want to watch football on television. This should not be a real big news. They're dying to watch. They don't really want it. They, they, the bowl is, is obsolete. Nobody cares what the bowl is. Nobody cares, um, uh, you know, where it's played, things like that. Ohio State is in the Rose Bowl. They returned 7,000 tickets from their allotment. Buckeye That's fans, shocking because Buckeye fans love to go to games. They love going to games. Probably <laughs> arguably the best travel program in the country. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's the Rose Bowl. And it wasn't like it was a bad season. Obviously, you lose to Michigan. But hey, hey, Utah, pretty good game. The January 1st games this year are ideal because they're on a Saturday. So you're right. not even flying back on the second and missing a day of work or something or school. Very easy to go to. Now, Utah fans are going to be there, which is great. But Ohio State fans don't want to go to the Rose Bowl. Don't tell me about the sanctity of the Rose Bowl. Uh, I'm looking at the Sugar Bowl, the other one that's holding up our, uh, our, our new screwing up our playoff. Yeah. Because we have a 3.30 Friday afternoon, 12.30 on the West Coast playoff game on a weekday, on a work sure. day for many, many people. And we do that because we the Rose Bowl, which even Ohio State fans no longer want to go to, and the Sugar Bowl, which is, and I'm not even criticizing this. This is actually pretty, I think they'll get a pretty good attendance, but it's Baylor coming off uh, a huge Big 12 title, right? Ole Miss, very hot season. Everyone's excited. And... They'll probably have 40,000 there in New Orleans. Um, I can go on StubHub right now and basically buy entire rows of the upper deck, if not entire sections. That's wild. You know, here's, I'm looking right here at like section 624, row 19, one to 14 tickets, row 17, one to 14, like I can buy the whole row. Wow. They're, so, and it's a big stadium. If they get 40, 45,000 for that game, but this is the ideal matchup, right? Two drivable right. fan bases that are pretty excited, and it's a yeah. Saturday night. You're not – you have all day Sunday to drive home. Yeah. Yep. Enough with the Bulls controlling what people want to do, which is watch the games. We're, we're clamoring to watch on television. They're not clamoring to go to the games. And yet, for a game where fans aren't going, returning tickets or whatever, two games on January 1st, we cannot watch the actual games everyone's excited about at the ideal time. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, this is the playoff in action, right? And the bowl system in action and the playoffs adherence to the bowl system uh, as opposed to just building a better mousetrap that people want to be trapped into. Uh, but that's what we, that's what we've got. Yeah, that those those games that should be the playoff slot, right? Yeah, on January first. Mm-hmm. Or as I think you said before, we we went on air, Dan. Uh, you know, play one game one night and the other game the next night of the semifinals. They don't have to necessarily even be on the same day. You know, play one on Thursday, right, one on Friday night, back. or yeah. right. put them both in prime time. The NFL yeah, is going to start doing a wild card game on Monday night. Because they're like, why are we playing in the middle of a weekend day when we can go to primetime and get more people? Let's give our product to our fans at the most advantageous time. And instead, the way this sport is run, and this is what I hope this is the empirical evidence of that makes them finally jump off, is let's not do what our fans want. Let's not serve our customers. Let's serve our business partners, quote unquote our super wealthy boosters who can fly out to the game, us who like to go for six days and get wined and dined at the, in one of these cities. And let's not serve the millions of people that are willing to tune in and say, sorry, you can't watch Alabama play Cincinnati because you have to work tough break. We have to have the sugar bowl on new year's Eve at at eight, eight o'clock. Like why? No, they're not filling the stadium. It's, it's really like, a, a final reminder, and I think this is the last year that they play these on New Year's Eve. Am I right about that? I think well, we could so. Have three more years, couldn't we? But there's like a yeah, couple but... mitigating factors because of calendar. Yeah, let me look um, here real quick. But this is like the grand, like why is college football messed up? This is like your grand three day reminder of how the people in charge have refused to do what's in the best interest of the sport and instead have clung to their TV contracts. But here's the problem. The Rose Bowl is always going to rate, but nobody cares. Ohio State fans aren't going. Now, for Utah, it's a really big deal, and I certainly don't want to undercut what it means for that for that fan base. But at a certain point, even though the games are on and even though the, the market speaks to big numbers, this has been like th- this can't happen in the next TV contract. This can't because really the college football playoffs is just a TV contract, right? That's all it is. And Jim Delaney swooped in and did his Rose Bowl deal to reserve that time slot, right? and then Mike Slive matched it right before this contract happened. And you're basically, the fans and the teams are dealing with the commissioner greed. Now look, they made a lot of money doing it, they're businessmen, but the fact that there's not enough leadership within the sport for everybody to sit down and figure out what's best for the game, what's best for their TV partners, quite frankly, um, now, look, the TV partners obviously agreed to the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, too. So just it just speaks to the grand dysfunction of it all. I mean, and that's what college football is. That's why we love it. That's probably why you listen to this podcast, because it's completely insane. They were going to play a bowl game at Fenway Park at 11 a.m. Wednesday. Like, it's it's completely the, the whole thing is just completely nuts. And that's why we love it. But this was and I remember writing it at the time. I know Dan wrote it. Um, I'm sure Pat did, too. This was just a tour de force of arrogance by the by the Rose Bowl. And then the Sugar Bowl felt compelled financially to match it. And they basically said, we're going to screw up this playoff. Everyone else is going to have to deal with it. And now we're dealing with it. And it's it is completely suboptimal go, going forward right now. Um, I'll be curious the fate of these games when they're when they're not in the playoff. However, this iteration happens and. I have a hard time seeing the Bulls get squeezed from this. I know we've talked about this before. I know Dan's position on this. Uh, I, I think Pat's is there too. Like, can can these, you know, look, Bulls have to be a billion-dollar industry when it all comes down to it, right? Can can college football leave behind its, its billion-dollar mistress and just do what's best for the sport? I, I think that's really... One of the things that's holding things up right now, quite frankly, because the Rose Bowl is a big uh, a big crink and always has been, and that's going to really define this next generation of playoff. The, the short answer right now is no. Just look around. One thing I've noticed about rich people who have mistresses is they tend to leave behind the billion-dollar mistress when the multi-billion-dollar mistress shows up. <laughs> <laughs> There's usually a lot of mistresses, right? <laughs> Once you've had two wives, you're going to have three or four, right? Like, I, I, Yeah, I mean, look, there is some 
I mean, I get I get why it all went down. The SEC wanted to have a power player. This at the Sugar Bowl might bother me more than the Rose Bowl because at least the Rose Bowl has been doing it since you know whatever they got the thing. Yeah. But it's right. like, what if we had a game New Year's Eve and New Year's Night? Now and again, this is all going to switch. But going forward, like they have to organize this thing. The public is making their statement, and and again, we love all these games. They're not going to go under. These are record TV numbers. You get three million people to watch these some of these games. They're not in trouble. What's in trouble is, am I still going to make $800,000 running this thing? And, and you know, like the, the, the if, if what we care about is the players playing, they are going to play because it's all funded in a huge pool of postseason money by conferences. The mistress is going to get younger. The mistress is going to get prettier. The mistress never ages. Not for rich guys. <laughs> Sound like Spicoli. That's what you're looking for. You're like, sorry, but that's how it works. I don't know. I'm not a billionaire, but I've noticed these billionaires. Yeah, no, I, I, Pete's point is a good one too. That this, that that a lot of this is specifically driven. A lot of the shape of college football right now is specifically driven by the Mike Sly versus Jim Delaney rivalry. I mean, it's astounding, really, that two. Power brokers just decided we're going to keep one up on each other. Whether it's realignment, expansion, uh, and then, yeah, the whole bowl thing is Mike Slybull. If, if they're going to make the Rose Bowl sacrosanct and they can't move, so are we in the Big 12. The Sugar Bowl is now sacrosanct. We decided so. And we're like, okay, all right, sure. That just We'll just go along with it. The stewardship of the game. Well, those two guys, look, they did do a lot of very valuable things for their constituents. But again, as we have said 4 million times on this podcast, let's make it 4 million and one. Who's looking out for the sport as a whole? The answer remains nobody. I would have no problem. Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl were the permanent semifinal matchups. I don't right. care. They're two That's great fine. places. for. They're probably the two best places for yeah. bowl, right? They're easily the two best. I've been to all the bowls. Like They have different appeals. But if you just made those, but then it's, well, we got, what about the chick, you know, the Chick-fil-A, the peach filet, the fiesta, the, the orange, uh, well, yeah. this guy. And it's like, well, who cares about those? Like, you know, the cotton bowl is not played in the cotton bowl. It's in a Walmart <laughs> parking lot. It is what it is. You know, like the, the University of Phoenix stadium, it, it, like Arizona's great, but the stadium's in the middle of nowhere and it's hard to get it's to. And the fans Glendale, half an hour from anywhere. Right. They have the best field though. I mean, that grass is just incredible. <laughs> but, like, you know, and and it, it it's just like, sorry, then come up with something. I don't care if it's the rose and the sugar. Just let's play the games when people want to watch the game. And I know you can – there's a there's an element of, like, we can get a rating anyway. And it's so like one of the things about, like, why do the Detroit Lions play on, on Thanksgiving Day every year, right? They're horrible. They were always horrible. One is they invented the Thanksgiving Day game. So it's their tradition. They've been playing at 1 o'clock after this parade in downtown Detroit since like the, I don't know, whatever, the thirties, when they're trying to get people into football, they, they figured they'd play a game right next to the parade and maybe some people would wander over and get into this new sport, sort of new sport. So fine. But the other is the TV people go, look, we're going to get 25 million people to watch a lion's game. If we waste our time putting the Patriots chiefs on there, we can save that $25 million person audience week seven. So like, they're going to watch anyway. Just give them junk. Yeah. Well, and that I don't think Baylor and Ole Miss are junk, but it's just so no. like, come on now. But there's, I know, I know people who are not going to be able to watch a semifinal, or not, you know, they're going to try to monitor it, or maybe, and it's like that sucks. We should be able to watch our semifinal, and and it's just you could one time you could say these bowls meant a lot. I just I'm not seeing it when Ohio State fans are like, we ain't going. In, in some ways, the bull poobahs lucked out this year because I think this is going to be a pretty muted New Year's in America. Just certainly people right. are going to go out. I'm certainly not saying that there will be no parties, but for the most part, like Pat's uh, point about Christmas parties earlier, like I just don't think you're going to see the same rollicking celebratory gathering at New Year's because of Omicron. And people will, and people will, and that's fine. But I think like that, you have more of a chance to be like, ah, sit home. Have a couple friends over, maybe, and watch these games more so than uh, people huge are dinners. I, mean, I just looked at the amount of restaurants that have closed and things like that. Like it's just, uh, it's just tough sledding right now uh, with with COVID. To to your point, Dan. I mean, this is what basically everybody has pushed and pushed and pushed for the most nonsensical things because they could get it. 
because college football fans are just that passionate, okay? You can have a game on December 25th at 2.30, the Camellia Bowl between two bad teams. People are going to watch. You can have an 11 a.m. kickoff in Boston or an 11 a.m. kickoff in Detroit. People are going to watch. And why do they know this? Because when they used to have 9.30 p.m. SEC kickoffs, people would still go to the games, buy the tickets, and watch it on TV. And when they decide kickoff time six days in advance and it could screw up people's plans, doesn't matter because enough people are still going to do it. So that's the thing. It's basically the, the, the fan bases have been so damn loyal the the TV execs and the and the commissioners and everybody just said, well we can do whatever we want. Well, I would if if they can't move these bowl games, then then I say the other bowls are screwed. They should have claimed their. I I'd, I'd be fine. I just think like New Year's Day would be so exciting. We had the semifinals back to back, and it was rose rose sugar perfect. I, I'd like the rose to move up an hour because well like, now you're messing. Now we're messing on. with the sunset at the end of the yep. right at the third quarter. I know I know the sun's got to set over the San Gabriel's at the perfect time. But mm-hmm. I'm with I'm, I'm a I am a very reasonable person, Pat. <laughs> I think everybody says that. It's not like I harp on the same thing every single week. Uh, I'd be fine if it was the Rose Bowl and the Sugar. I think it'd be terrific. I think fans would be very excited. Like I said, like Atlanta, it's not really great weather right now. Like it could be. It's just a whole different deal. All right, let's let's actually pick some games. Unless you guys got something else. All right. Going. No, no. Let's go. Bowl extravaganza. Can we pick a winner or canceled? Can cancel be an option? Cancel. <laughs> <laughs> Prop bet. Prop, winner Prop against it. the spread. It will be and played. Then, yeah. And <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, we need it. We need a, a a line on will the game be played? All right. So I think the we the Rutgers Wake game now is on the board. We had the right. That's the thirty first. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're picking that game. Okay. Uh, Wake is giving 14 and a half. The over under is 61.5. I have to roll with the uh, with the Demon Deacons here. I just think like everything is going against Rutgers, but mostly Rutgers' offense is going against Rutgers. Um, <laughs> Wake's offense is, is elite, elite, elite. Sam Hartman should be in the Heisman conversation next season. They've got two dynamic receivers. It'll be interesting to see where Wake gets ranked preseason because we so much of rankings come on brand, right? And Wake's brand century has been pretty pedestrian but this team which should win 11 games and brings pretty much everybody back on offense they're gonna have a change of defensive coordinator with lyle hemphill scooting over to duke like this could be like the year of the optimistic wake forest offseason and hartman is i think is that good where they should be like a top 15 team next year so i think they should they should pick Rutgers apart. Rutgers doesn't have a defensive coordinator, which is bad when you're going up against that <laughs> dynamic of uh, of an offense. So I think this thing ends like 35 to 10. Uh, yeah, that sounds perfectly reasonable to me. Uh, I believe it was the 23rd when this game officially got like put on the books. So you are Rutgers, again, frantically trying to pull together your roster two days before Christmas, uh, getting them together, and then immediately heading Jacksonville, uh, to play a game, what is it? Eight days later, uh, against an opponent you have not prepared for, with a bunch of people who thought that they were off until spring practice in terms of actually hitting each other. Uh, this is should be an, a Wake Forest avalanche. I don't think we, we we don't think Wake has opt outs. We think that you know they've been locked in all year. They want to end the season well. Uh, all the motivation and the better team. One of them was ten and two. The others are ten and three. The other was uh, five and seven. Wake Forest should blow them out. Yeah, this this is easy. I mean, Shiano <laughs> can get rally the troops pretty well, but I, I, this is a little little bit too much. Wake Wake by more than fourteen and a half. I'll say that. I wanted to figure out a way to talk myself into picking this team, picking Rutgers. I thought you were going to pick COVID. Like COVID still, it still could win now. Yeah, COVID. <laughs> COVID's got a heck of a record going right now. <laughs> the bowl bonuses that COVID are picking up for victories <laughs> left and right. This so COVID doesn't last, have a good 2022 recruiting class. We're, in we're, the sick last, of, we're sick of this COVID dynasty. Yeah, I've had it with COVID. Uh, in the last month of its season, uh, they gave up 52 to, to Wisconsin. They lost 52-3 to Wisconsin, 28-0 to Penn State, and 40-16 to Maryland. Their their victories are against Temple, Syracuse, which was that's their best win of the year, Delaware at Illinois, and then they they really trounced Indiana. But they if anybody any good has crushed these guys. So, you know, that's uh let's see, 68 and I mean that's like 120 to 19 in their, <laughs> their three goal. I don't even think Maryland's that good. 
So I got no way to pick anybody but Wake in this. 14 and a half is a lot, but that's all right. Okay. January. Let me add real quick there, Dan, if you don't mind. Rutgers has a really talented freshman quarterback who enrolled early named Gavin Wimsat. He literally left high school in August and showed up there. He's the he's from Owensboro, Kentucky. He's kind of the, the player of the future. It'll be interesting if they just let him go in this game. And just he's a he's a dynamic runner. Uh, people in the program have raved about Wimsat and his potential. He's obviously young, needed some time to develop. This would be an interesting forum to see if they really, they've used him situationally this year. It'd be really interesting to see. And it would actually be a good reason to tune in to, uh, to, to see if he, uh, if, if they really let him go in this game. Well, this is what this has become too. It's, and, and it's, there's an excitement level. It's not the cap of what you had, but you can get a look at what you're going to have, right? You just have to look at these games differently because so many people have opted out. But I uh, agree. He's a huge recruit for Rutgers, four star out of Kentucky that almost everybody wanted. Uh, all right, Outback Bowl. Uh, January 1st, Penn State versus Arkansas. High noon, ESPN2. Got to love it. Nittany Lions and the fighting Pittmans. Penn State is giving two and a half. The over-under is just 47.5. 70% of the bets, 90% of the money are on the hogs. Penn State is without uh, a couple linebackers who opted out. A whole bunch of opt-outs on all sides. Uh, so we'll, we will see what you got here. But uh, who do you like, uh, Pat? Uh, here's what I don't like. Speaking of, of bowl irritation, January 1st, and they do this every year, We, you know, you get these bowl games, eyedropper, 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 and then all of a sudden, New Year's Day, noon, Outback Bowl, one, Citrus Bowl, one, Fiesta Bowl. Like, why, why are we playing three good games on top of each other? I, I don't understand that. I never have. Somebody else maybe can explain that to me on here. But this, like, this is an interesting game. I, I want to see Penn State and Arkansas. These are two, two, you know, pretty interesting brands. And uh, Arkansas had a really exciting season. Penn State a disappointing season. But they're keeping Sean Clifford for another year. Uh, Traylon Burks opt out, I think could loom large here for Arkansas and its offense. Uh, I think Penn state has a chance to slow them down without Burks there. Uh, so I am going to take the Nittany lions to win and cover in a relatively low scoring game. I don't have a lot of conviction on this game. And if I did the, the, the wise thing to do at this point, would be pick opposite me in the bowl games. I'm the new tap. I'm E tap because my bowl record has just been God, uh, God awful. I feel like this is going to be a want to be there game. And I just feel like this moment playing on New Year's day is going to mean more to Arkansas. It's going to mean more to Sam Pittman. Look, betting on these games, obviously you got to see what Dotson ends up deciding. And I, I'm really skeptical that, uh, that he's going to, uh, that he's going to play in this game. So again, with COVID and everything, if you're betting anything more than like 20 minutes before kickoff, that would be uh, that'd be pretty naive. But I'm going to take Arkansas. I feel like they can have the uh, they they'll have motivation on their side. They'll uh, they'll have some push up front. They looked very good uh, late against Missouri. They played Alabama very tough. They beat LSU, Mississippi State. They're they're actually playing pretty well down the down the stretch after they hit a bit of a midseason lull. So I uh, and, and look, they've been pretty darn consistent this year. I know it's funny to say about an eight and four team, but other than getting waxed by Georgia, which was too much for them defensively, which I don't think Penn State will, they've uh, they've showed up, played hard, and I and I do think some of those traits uh, will transcend to the bowl. I'm with you, Pete. I'm with the public money as well. 70% of the bets, 90% of the money on the hogs. And uh, yeah, let's, let's woo pig, Suey, Sam Pittman, our way to a win. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, Razorbacks too. I think it, I, I'm going with the care factor. You can, you can loan Nittany lion this one, uh, Pat, but it, I love <laughs> this right. slate of early games. I actually love the games all day. Pretty yeah, but good. Do, they, do we have to play three of them at once? That's my no. question. Well, this is like the old tradition. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, spread them out on primetime, but this is the old tradition. I don't know. Outback Bowl. Bloomin' Undren to Sam Pittman. I think he would know what to do with it. <laughs> Not his first Bloomin' Undren, as I'm guessing. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. VRBO. Rent yourself a rent yourself a condo in Orlando and go watch the Citrus Bowl. Iowa versus Kentucky, 1 p.m. Another, another uh, good game. Did you see the uh, Big Ten Network put out a thing where each coach got to name their favorite Christmas movie? No. Okay. So oh, they yeah, did, great. They did a little bit. So, you know, it's pretty normal. You know, Harbaugh and somebody picks, like, It's a Wonderful Life and Brian Day and Bielema are in on Christmas Vacation and uh, what is it? Home Alone. Get, I don't know. Whatever. The basic ones get the same votes. Although, the, oddly, Scott Frost said he had a tie, including Love Actually. 
What? I, I, I did not think Scott Frost was going to go with the the rom com. Well, that's one more reason he should have been fired. Come on. <laughs> He's a romantic. That's why he loves heartbreaking, illogical losses. <laughs> I was like, really? Scott Frost going with the romantic comedy. Love it. The British based, right? Like I thought I he would, love I thought he'd be British a home based. alone guy. He'd want to watch Marvin like get his get his ass kicked by every bitch way. Marvin. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, they asked. Uh, so the last one was uh, was uh, Kirk Ferentz. And he said uh, he had no idea. He, he, he They stumped him. And the belief <laughs> is he's never watched a movie. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> I don't know if he's never watched the movie, but he's never watched a Christmas movie. It's, his mm-hmm. idea of a Christmas movie is like rewatching like the like the Tuesday practice from the 2012 <laughs> Outback Bowl when they were running, they had a great practice that day. So he rewatches. I don't know. Like he, he had, he, you could have asked him like a physics, some some advanced math question. He was he looked baffled. Like Christmas movie? What? What? Here's the problem. I just looked it up. They never play in bowl games until after Christmas. And Kirk Ferentz is watching film. I guarantee until that bowl game is done. There is they they are. December 27th, December 28th, December 29th, December 30th, or January 1st. Uh, Solid it's, it's program. Pretty, yeah. Something tells me he's not watching uh, Christmas in July on Lifetime Network either. So, uh, no. But it's not no. like these are other well adjusted people. No. <laughs> okay. Like Ryan Day isn't. I don't think Ryan Day just hangs out and, like, I didn't get it. I'm just going to Netflix and chill today. I'm not going to recruit. Or Harbaugh, like, you know, like, Oh, it's a wonderful life. He, he's never seen, like, he's never even heard of it. Like, that seems like a Kirk Ferentz kind of movie. Yeah, I suspect somebody like they, the Ryan Day or somebody in that group, though, just went to their ops guy and said, hey, what should I say for this I answer? Know. I've never seen Ryan a Christmas Day movie. No, they had a bunch of lines. Ryan Day was genuine. He was pretty ex- actually excited about okay. it. That yeah, was, he's okay. like a watch it with the kids, even though it was a little racy. Yeah, that was actually a good answer. <laughs> I, I, well, I had that problem. My kids were younger, and like I've only seen Christmas Vacation on TNT or TBS which is on like every night, but that's been like sanitized down. So one time we rented it and my, like we had a whole bunch of people over our house. And so we rented it. And then all of a sudden it's way more PG like (laughs) 17 (laughs) than you're expecting. Cause you just like, you've all the, all the parts that I didn't even know existed. (laughs) I was like, Oh, great. Oh, interesting Clark. parenting moments there. We're like, uh, do we just sit here in awkward silence while we're watching yeah, this? Clark Griswold's got a little bit of an edge here. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that cousin Eddie jokes is a little. Uh, yeah. uh, the kids are giggling and yeah. Oh, well. Uh, all right. So Iowa versus Kentucky. Kentucky's giving two and a half over under 44.5. Also a bunch of opt out. 60% of the bets, 80% of the money on Kentucky. Well, at this point, there is like a little bit of a feel that that Iowa squeezed the most that it could out of uh, out of this season. They obviously won the four straight end of the regular season down the stretch by like quintessential Iowa. Well, Illinois was a two score game, but quintessential Iowa one score games. They really got ragdolled by uh, by Michigan in that uh, in that Big Ten title game. I just feel like it still means a lot to Kentucky to be on a, on a stage like this. And they are probably just a little bit better uh, at this point. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go with Kentucky, but this is uh whew, man. That is uh, I, I challenge them to have strong conviction on this game because they are, uh, they're kind of similar programs. They're kind of played similar this season. Um, yes. So, so good, good luck uh, dipping into your wallet on this one, but I will, uh, I will take Mark Stoops' Wildcats, who have been kind of the more consistent version of the same team. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think the key opt-out is Tyler Goodson for Iowa, the running back, uh, which means that their offense is basically down to Sam Porter, the tight, Laporta, the tight end catching passes from quarterbacks who do not throw well. Uh, so unless Tyler Linderbaum, their great center, can like run the ball as well, uh, I, I just don't know how they move the ball a whole bunch. Like they, I don't know what the over-under is on this, but I'm taking like under 40. This is going to be like 21 to 17 or something. 44 so. and a half is the over-under. Okay, I like the under. The, uh, the, the only thing, again, Kentucky mostly tamed its turnover issues that were so bad early in the season, uh, and they were winning even in spite of them. So I, I think Kentucky is slightly better, slightly more motivated. 
slightly fuller hand of players who are going to be on hand. So I will take the Wildcats to win and cover. Imagine if the center opted out, just the whole state would be pulverized. No, <laughs> Linderbaum had like a seen. day of mourning. Yeah. The, the only thing that would have been worse is if the punter opted out. We can't have that for <laughs> Iowa. I'm going to stick with Iowa. Uh, that stat that Pat just brought up is just searing in my head where Kentucky loves to turn the ball over. Yes, they have tempered it recently, but Iowa's still turning people over. They're, they're still leading the country in interceptions, I think. So, yeah, get, uh, Will Evans is coming back. Nice story. Tweeted out the Terminator. I'll be back, but he's still going to be throwing picks to the Hawkeyes. You know, like Iowa, it seems like they're contractually obligated before the season to play in the Citrus Outback or Tax Slayer Bowl at 1 p.m. on January 1st. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's like marked yeah. down. Like, it's like, you know, the third Saturday in October, you're going to get Bama, Tennessee, right? Uh, the, the last Saturday in, in November at noon, Ohio State, Michigan are playing. It's just it's just etched in. They got a lot of experience here. I love Linderbaum, best center in, in, in college football, first-round pick. It didn't even dawn on him that he would skip this game. He hasn't even decided he's going pro. Someone asked him, reading this, John uh, Stepp of uh, the Gazette in Iowa City asked him about the draft. He said, they said, what are, you, what are you doing about April? He said, what's in April? <laughs> Love this guy. He also raised 30 grand for the Iowa Children's Hospital using his awesome. uh, NIL money. Obviously, that's the hospital that, that overlooks the stadium. They do the Iowa wave. Just fantastic. And you know what? I'm picking Kentucky. So, <laughs> But good for you, Tyler. We like you. Lone Hawkeye. Lone Hawkeye. All right. Fiesta Bowl. PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. See, a, I can't even make fun of some of these uh, bowl sponsors now. They're all like pretty good ones. Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State, 1 p.m. Marcus Freeman's debut as head coach. Uh, I don't know a head coach that got a more, with no, ex, no zero and zero career record, has gotten more excitement than the Notre Dame fan base. Lo they love Marcus Freeman. We will see what they continue to love Marcus Freeman once he starts making um, in game decisions. Because I will, Brian Kelly may be a little bit, uh, he's an acquired taste if you want to be a fan. I kind of like, I always like the guy, but, but he could coach. Uh, we will see if Marcus Freeman uh, begins this. I don't think this game is going to be a referendum on him in any way. Notre Dame, uh, but it is it is their first look. Uh, Notre Dame is giving two and a half. The over-under is just 45.5, uh, I guess. Sully, you've got it at 45.4 in the lineup here. That, <laughs> that would be a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting typo. You don't see that one every day. Okay. That's kind of, that defines. The is next to the five, and I got fat fingers. So it explains <laughs> the bowl lineup very well that there's a point four over under. Now, 75%, 90% of the money is on Notre Dame. Oklahoma State would have to uh, rebound from that crushing Big 12 championship loss. They were almost in. This is an excellent, excellent football game between two uh, teams. Obviously, Notre Dame's going to be out without Kyle Hamilton and uh, uh, Kylan Williams. So they, they've lost a lot. Um, Oklahoma State has lost its defensive coordinator. Uh, there's probably more losses. I don't know. Pat, who you got? Yeah, this. I mean, this will be a very, very tough one to figure out for all the reasons you just uh, illuminated. The, the Kyle Hamilton opt-out doesn't really matter because he hadn't played the last several weeks anyway, and Notre Dame was playing well without him. But the Kyron Williams opt-out does hurt them still. I think losing Jim Knowles uh, is a big loss for the Cowboys as defensive coordinator. Uh, I do expect Notre Dame to be super energized because I think they want to play for Marcus Freeman and to show that their big stand on the table for him is validated. And Dan, you are right. This game will not validate. This will not decide anything about whether Marcus Freeman should be the guy or should not be the guy. But I think the players will be extremely motivated to play for him. I will take Notre Dame in a close one. Win cover. I'm going to do the same. I just think that Jim Knowles was such a big, this is like just such a different Oklahoma State program than we've, than we've ever, uh, than we've ever seen it. And uh, they were so defensively led, as, as we saw in that in that great game against Baylor uh, to end the season. They're kind of offensively tortured. And I really feel like Notre Dame is going to come in motivated uh, for Marcus Freeman, like we said. I also think that it is, as much as they're going to uh, miss Kyron Williams, they have a, a really good stable of, of, of tailbacks. And that was really a weakness in that program not that long ago. And... They have Chris Tyree behind him. He averages 4.1 yards a carry. He's a dangerous patch catcher out of the backfield. And then Logan Diggs is a freshman from New Orleans that they that they really like in the program. So again, Kyron Williams is excellent. 
but I feel like they're in much better position right now. Uh, Lance Taylor and Tommy Reese have done a good job keeping that room filled with with bright young players where they should be able to ride that improved offensive line and, and move the ball on the ground. So I'm going to take Notre Dame by seven. Oh, I'm going to take the pokes just to fade the both of you guys. And uh, this has been such a crapshoot. Oklahoma State still has a lot of talent on that defense that can still play. And they're motivated. This is a big spot, too. You know, with Notre Dame might have the motivation factor a little bit, but Oklahoma State doesn't make it make it to these type of bowls very often. So let, let's go. Let's go mullets. I love this game. I just love the game. I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I'm going to take Notre Dame. I, I, I agree. Williams is a, was had a great season as a running back, but there is a lot of talent in Notre Dame. I just think I would have had this number bigger. Two and a half. They can win by a field goal. So I'm going to take the Irish on this. But I, I think this is going to be terrific. Uh, should be a terrific game. This is some I will, as close as we're getting to like old school January one game. I, I got to give credit to Kyron Williams. One thing the NFL will love about him. He is a vicious pass protection uh, block. blocker. Stone kills dude. people. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be big. All right. Rose Bowl presented by Capital One. I was like, they got they, they couldn't just call it the Capital One Rose Bowl. Got to do a little hey, classier. Dan, what time does that kick off? 5 p.m. And the sun oh. will set at the start. <laughs> of the third quarter, unless unless it's cloudy, uh, it will the be Lesso beautiful. The family will be there for the parade, I assume. It will be beautiful. <laughs> it is a beautiful place. Iowa State against Utah. Iowa State is giving six and a half. The over under is sixty six. Uh, Ohio State fans are not coming, but most of the Buckeyes are. Sixty percent of the bets, seventy percent of the money on Ohio State. Pete, who you got? I'm taking Utah. A lot of points. If Ohio State wins this game, it's not going to be close. We have not seen the full opt-out flex yet from the Buckeyes, which I assume is continuing to come. Look, in the trenches where Ohio State just got manhandled by Michigan, Utah should have some slight advantage. And I think that that it's going to be a punch in the mouth for Ohio State if they are not fully locked and loaded and ready to go in this game. And, uh, yeah, I, and I feel like Utah has been one of the best teams in the country since they made Cam Rising the quarterback. They've continued to go. Kyle Whittingham is an awesome coach. He's a great big game coach. He has one of the best bowl records of uh, any coach in the history of the sport. So I think they're the perfect team for the moment. And uh, imagine Ohio State entering next season with the opener against Notre Dame in danger of being on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, boy. Haven't had one of those in a long time in Columbus. I'm with you, Pete. I'm going with uh, Utah here to cover at least maybe win. Um, I Again, I I suspect there are big opt-outs coming from Ohio State. I think if guys were playing, they probably would have said so by now. It's usually if, you, if, if people are holding out on saying what they're doing, that means they're going. But we will see for sure. But, yes, this is another physical trenches team. And we saw what the last physical trenches team did to Ohio State. That was Michigan. They pounded them. Uh, and Utah, tough bunch of dudes. Uh, if you look, you want to look at the one comparative opponent, Utah destroyed Oregon twice. Oregon obviously beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. I know it was a long time ago, but just stylistically, I think that tells you this is a problematic matchup for the Buckeyes and this. The motivation, this is one of the biggest games in Utah history. Utah is going to the Rose Bowl for the first time ever. So you know they are jacked up. They're going to have a ton of fans in Southern California. Those seats that uh, Ohio State turned back could well end up being filled by Utes fans or just people who don't like Ohio State. So I think that uh, this is, has a little bit of a Utah home game feel, and the Utes certainly cover, possibly win outright. Ohio State fan base has given up on the Rose Bowl, but let's hope their team hasn't. I, 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 I do like the matchup between the Utah secondary and the Ohio State wide receivers. Depending on which wide receivers are playing, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fade you guys and go with the Buckeyes. My guess is Alave and Wilson will well, some, well, at least one of them will opt out. But if, if they're all there, I'd, I'd want to take Ohio State. But right now, I'm going to bet on the uh, on the opt out and take Utah. I, I just I wouldn't pick this game until the end. So I'm going to take Utah because that's six and a half. But if they're all playing, uh, they could score a lot of points. I mean that that wide receiver trio is so good, and and it's so hard to cover all three of them. So asterisk right there on me. But I'll take Utah at this point. Um, but. Uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, you know, I mean, so we'll see, but should be very, very interesting. Should be beautiful. Enjoy that sunset. It's good. It is good. All <laughs> it right. Is a good sunset. 
uh, All-State Sugar Bowl, Ole Miss Baylor, 845 New Year's Day on ESPN. Baylor is giving one. The over-under is 55. Matt Corral of Ole Miss is playing. Bohannon should be healthy, according to Coach Dave Aranda for Baylor. Sully, you go first. Yeah, Aranda versus Kiffin. This is a this is a matchup that's happened before, obviously, and I, this will be a really really fun game. Vegas thinks the same thing, so I, I'll go with a motivated Matt Corral. Uh, that's, I, I expect a a pretty blue and red Sugar Bowl crowd. It, Ole Miss fans don't don't skip a beat when they're going to New Orleans. So give me give me the Rebels. Yeah, you know what? I I picked Baylor in the forty yard dash here, but I I I think the I think I'm going with Ole Miss here. I'm flipping it because I do think that this this is the kind of game that is a showcase game for Matt Corral. Like, hey, I'm going to show the NFL what I can do here, uh, and he could have a big game. He's going against a good defense, a very good defense. Uh, but I, this could be one just one of those games where best player on the field has a big day and carries his team to a victory there. Uh, and I agree. I think this will be a, this will be a big old Miss party, Bourbon street, French quarter and in the Superdome. So I will take the rebels as our faithful podcast listeners know the number one rule of picking games on this podcast is to pick the loser of Pat's argument with himself. So (laughs) (laughs) I was going to take Baylor anyway. Now I'm convicted on Baylor because <laughs> Pat versus Tap, we all know who wins that game. <laughs> so look, Pat, Baylor's Pat. defense has been one of the one of the best units in the country. Ron Roberts is uh, is is a is a defensive ninja. They play those simulated pressures. They have a month to prepare for a system. Uh, Jeff Levy, the OC, is gone now. Lane Kiffin's always had a huge voice in the play calling, which uh, you know, which which shouldn't change here, but. I uh, I really like Baylor in this game. Sometimes some of those te- – it's funny. This is Baylor versus the old Baylor offense, really, is what it comes down to. And uh, I really feel like sometimes some of those tempo offenses can get a little bit out of rhythm, start slow. That could give the give Baylor's defense, which has been just consistently excellent this year, as Pat said, some mo- some momentum. Bohannon being back, and they can just kind of grind this thing out and, uh, and, and push out a win. So go tap. Pat, the actual – the pick – because Pat picked both teams – <laughs> you think I mean, so? Kobe right one way or the other. No, the game could be canceled or no, that's true. It, it could end in a tie, even though games are not allowed to end in ties anymore. So I don't know, but I don't, I don't know what to make of Pat's uh, both sides. Hey, in fairness, Pat is leading the, the, the bull race. So, well, okay. We got that hey, going. How about well, that? See? I'm taking is he, is he under 500. No, he's over. Well, I'm really. over 500 period. Congratulations. I'm taking Baylor. All right. We got to do this one. <laughs> Um, he's due <laughs> Tuesday, January 4th, the tax act, Texas bowl. Uh, let's not waste a lot of time on this Kansas state no. versus LSU 9 PM K state's <laughs> given three and a half over under is 48, 60% of the bets, 90% of the money is on Kansas state. LSU is out like every court. They have a true freshman is probably going to play Garrett Nussmeyer. Yeah. Doug's son, Doug's son. Right. Uh, it's going to be a QB mess. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is, this is happening. Why we don't know, but we'll watch because by that point you're just going to be like so excited for Tuesday night football. Oh yeah, Tuesday Anybody, night, quick, January fourth, just what we need. Uh, here we. Hey, that, that's, that's in prime time, but the dang semifinals aren't. <laughs> yeah, right. God, what up? This game is a complete mayhem, utter mess. Give me Kansas State just because I figured they're going to be a little more excited. I, LSU checked out quite a while ago the only the only way anybody's playing hard from this game for lsu is if you're terrified that brian kelly's gonna take your scholarship for next year so skylar thompson the very excellent uh k-state quarterback who i believe is in his sixth season is trending in the right direction according to the good people at the topeka capital journal to play in the texas bowl skylar thompson plays k-state is winning this game um he's just that kind of guy who can manage a mess of a game he started about 642 games in his K-State career, and number 643 will will do that. But look, this is going to come down to playing hard and effort. Those LSU coaches have checked out who are going to be in this game. I, I just think that it's going to be really, and it's going to be a lot of young players. It's going to be a total mess. If there were an over-under on penalties, I would definitely take it in this game. But I will, uh, I will take, uh, I will take K-State. Because there is there is something to be said for a we beat LSU kind of thing that that can keep you motivated through January. Yeah, this is a classic sickos committee game. Who, they they do a great job on <laughs> yes, Twitter. Um, the, we saw the other night it was a it was a punching penalty 
flag mess in the Gasparilla Bowl. This is going to be the number two. Might as well call it the Sickos Committee Gasparilla Bowl presented by the Texas Bowl. And yeah, yeah, give me give me the Skylar Thompson prayer that he plays. He was hurt the last game of the season. Who knows? But if he's turning the white way, let's go K-State. I, I, I have to note that Skylar Thompson earned very excellent status from Pete. That's that's good. Yeah. Well, this is, again, a prediction on who might play and if Thompson plays uh, at this point. Three, I don't like giving three and a half when you're Kansas State, but uh, I'm going to do it. K-State, every man a wildcat. Good luck. <laughs> help, you know, bless us all. We're going to be watching. Uh, all right, let's get to the semis. Oh, by the way. Now, we have broken down these games twice, so let's not get too long-winded. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. That directed at me. That's just directed at, uh, at everyone who's on a treadmill right now going, please end this thing. <laughs> Can't walk my dog any further. Work off that extra holiday yeah, weight, everybody. Like, please, I said I'd work out through the whole thing. Oh, my God. Cotton Bowl, Alabama versus Cincinnati, 330 on ABC. Bama, they're giving 13 and a half. Over under is 58. It is stuck there. It has not, not moved. moved. 80% of the bets, 90% of the money on Bama. Pete, who you got? I got Cincinnati. I gave you the path to uh, potential victory, and I'm going to stick with uh, – that was on a previous podcast. If anyone wants to hear the case for relentless Cincinnati optimism, I laid it out in uh, detailed terms that I have since been discouraged to not re-detail. So I will take the, I will take the Bearcats on the basic premise – that their secondary can can slow down a Bama pass game that's going to be handicapped by the loss of John Mitchell. And uh, so I'm on I'm on the sauce train. That's the shortest way to say it. Yeah, I, I it, we our breakdown of this game actually I thought was pretty good on the previous pod. So if you want to really get into the weeds on it, yes, go listen to that. Uh, if you don't and you just want to know who to who to pick or bet on, I I'm I just can't go against Alabama in this spot. Uh, Nick Saban in semifinal games doesn't just tend to win. He tends to win big. So I, I think that they have the advantage against Cincinnati's offensive line, and that will be enough to sway things. Uh, will, will Anderson monster have a monster game? Bama wins and covers a, a big number, but I, I don't say that with great conviction. I'm with you, Pat. I mean, the, the classic Saban month thing, right? Like he, he's, he's coming off of, of arguably one of the better games of the season beating Georgia that way in the SEC title game. My concern for for Cincinnati is they're they're not the biggest explosive offense. And that's really where you can take advantage of Alabama. Tennessee heck did it uh with a bunch of big big plays against Alabama. I don't think Ritter will able to get the ball deep over the top over the Alabama defense to score with them. Give me the tide. Uh, I'm going with the tide as well. Uh I think too good in uh semifinal games. Under uh, under Nick Saban, too much depth defensively to wear down that offensive line. I just think at, at the the uh, the Cincinnati offensive line. I, I think they pull away late and win. Uh, I really thought if this got to fourteen and a half or fifteen, I might think more on uh, on Cincinnati. But uh, I do respect Pete's ability of the Bearcat, the point on the Bearcats' ability to to defend the big play uh, should be really yeah. fun. I'm excited to see what Cincinnati does in this game. So we'll, uh, we'll try to try to get to it. Orange bowl later that night, seven 30 on ABC, Michigan, Georgia games in Miami gardens. Georgia is giving seven and a half. The over under is 45.4, 80% of the bets, 90% of the money's at bet. MGM is on Michigan, but that line has not jumped down. So there you are. Let's uh, start with you this time, Pat. Yeah, I, the line's just a little too big. The hook says go with Michigan, so I'm going to do that. This, I think this is a wonderful strength-on-strength strength matchup of Michigan's Joe Moore award-winning offensive line against Georgia's phenomenal defensive line. Uh, the big, big question, obviously, especially with JT Daniels' status up in the air and possibly out with COVID is this really just may be a Stetson Bennett game. There may not be a possibility for a quick hook and to go to Daniels. And so how does Stetson Bennett do with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo chasing him around? Uh, I think it all adds up. Look, I, I believe Georgia is the better team, but I don't believe they're so demonstrably better that this ends up being more than a touchdown. So I'm taking the Wolverines to cover. Not to win. Whenever Pat says that, it's always wrong. 
it's just like trying to thread that needle. That's like the most impossible. You've thing. spent more time analyzing my analysis than analyzing the game. I agree because it's more fun. And I'm also like two and eleven in bowl picks. By the way, I'm the worst. Okay, it's also the season of good that. cheer. I, Can we try to get along on the podcast, please? <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already analyzed this game in depth in the last pod. I will say that the the last snapshot we have of Georgia is not indicative of the overall talent of Georgia. And so I am not going to take one bad game against a transcendent player and stigmatize the entire program and entire season of work for that last snapshot. So I think most importantly, Georgia's defense is strength on strength with Michigan. And they should be able to grind them to a halt in the run game or at least slow it down enough where Michigan can't control the game, punt to win. I mean, Michigan is essentially like a, a juiced up version of Iowa. It's 9 Stanford. It is it is big line of scrimmage, punt to win, et cetera. So I think Georgia can counter that. There's no magician at quarterback to puncture Georgia the way they got punctured in the SEC title game. And I think that, uh, that, that Brock Bowers, the excellent, freshman Georgia tight end uh, from Napa Valley uh, will uh, will really have a chance to tee off in this game. One, because they target him 26 times a game. And two, I don't think Michigan has the caliber of linebackers athletically to keep up with Bowers. So that's the case for Georgia. I think Georgia wins by 17 points. We can call it what we want. Wow. Why don't we Holy say moly. Wow. 17 points. Wow. All right. We have to have some conviction on something, right? That like, is conviction. I'm All just right. over here thinking about playing my Friday Night Lights in Napa Valley. My goodness, what a scene that would have to be. <laughs> wow. Post-game Pino. Yeah, post-game Pino. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I'm with you, Pete. I, I think UGA, it, it's 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 a strength-on-strength thing, and they got the better players. When in doubt, go with the team that doesn't have a Bryce Young to take advantage of UGA, take the dogs. This is tricky. The seven and a half is too much for me. I'm going to take Michigan. Uh, they have been really, really good this year. Really consistent. That defensive line has gotten home on everybody. The quality of teams they played at the end of the year that had all year to watch tape and try to, to try to stop uh, Hutchinson and Ajabu, none of them could do it. I, they played a better schedule, I think, than Georgia, at least beat better teams. And I, I just, uh, Stetson Bennett, can. I'd be happy to have him prove me wrong. Uh, I don't think they're going to get big plays through the through the uh, passing game, and I'm just I'm a, uh, if I get seven and a half in Michigan, I'm gonna take them. So I will take Michigan. Uh, I think they'll win. So they'll win and cover, but I think they'll certainly cover. But boy, gonna be a good one. Yeah, all right, we, that'll we, be really fun. We yeah. made it through all the three. It took three podcasts, <laughs> and we COVID delayed one of them because we didn't know who would actually play. But that is our that is our thing. Let's all agree on one thing. Let's just hope the the semifinals go off without a whole outbreak oh please and if there's an outbreak because these teams went to the bowl experience a week early i'm gonna like <laughs> luckily they called I, most of it off right they they called most of it off so yeah i am surprised i mean to the best of my knowledge at least for the orange bowl both teams are still going in early uh i don't know what about the the cotton but uh, that does surprise me i kind of figured you would keep them bunkered hunkered down in whatever, you know, bubblish atmosphere you can have on campus yeah. as long as you could. They wander over to the Arlington Walmart, put a mask on, guys. <laughs> what if what any. if Harbaugh keeping the team on campus becomes like the strategic advantage in the playoff? But did he? Yeah, they didn't go home for Christmas. I believe oh. I read they didn't go home for Christmas. That could be. I mean, look, this is it's interesting have your guys. To see. I mean, yeah. I don't know. B this, BC this just got ravaged. BC was like the single best program last year at keeping COVID out of their program. They were like the single most disciplined and look like it just, it happens. Like it, it, you know, nobody's got an answer. Stop the name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to stop the podcast so you can get off the treadmill now. Good job. It was a stirring eulogy you gave at the beginning, Dan. <laughs> we we cried. Touching. We laughed together. Yeah. We cried together. We, <laughs> we mourned together. We looked forward together. We were gathered here today. Pour one out. 0 for 2 on Fenway Bulls in its existence. Imagine being a bowl game. That's for they need a 700 strong days. commissioner to come in with a green <laughs> jacket. Be, be the commissioner that makes it ramrods that bowl through. Come on, Pete. 
I would get New England United on a bus. And we would play each- right down well, I-90. Why right doesn't SMU play East Carolina? They could play each other. That's uh, our friend. I think it was uh, was a, somebody suggested. I can't remember. At least who a now, minor. Twitter, play, that, yes. I'm playing Pawtucket. East, they still got the East Pawsaw. Carolina heads north from Annapolis. SMU heads south from Boston. They meet somewhere and play. And, triple A you know, part. We get an, Some we get triple an A AAC bowl game. Yeah. SMU still in Dallas, but that's okay. Uh, well, well, you know, well, so, yeah. All right. Everybody enjoy the uh, new year, uh, rest of the holidays, and uh, we will talk to you after the semifinal games. We will break it all down. Talk to you later. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.